1: I want to do this now. I want, to, I want to pick up where we left off on Sunday, dealing with the enemies of transition. Transition. You're going through a transition in your life. We all are going through transition to some degree. And it's the will of God for us that when we go through transition, we understand what we're up against. First of all, what I, said, I said some things that I want to, I want to kind of revisit real quickly. Um, transition is, by definition, um, uh, going from place to place. It's a, it's a moving on, going forward with a specific purpose. We say that change is positional, but transitional is emotional. It's emotional because once you transition, things change. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this, it's not just that things around you change, it's that, it's that your whole world could change. Seasons end in transition. But new seasons begin. And if you're addicted to a certain season, what tends to happen to us is that we, we, we become nostalgic. The word nostalgia speaks to home. We, we call a certain season home. You remember when you had certain friends and you remember when we used to do certain things? You remember when the church was like this? You remember when you worked on this job? And we, try, we have this nostalgic um, memory, so to speak, of places we've been and people we've connected with. But going forward, what happens is God will tear down. An entire season, a structure of, of relationship and, and accomplishment, move you on to something else, and he'll move you out of a season of accomplishment into a season of beginning. And if you're not careful, it can be depressing. No one prepared us to, to change at this rapid pace, especially when it talks when we talk about aging. No one prepared you to get older i never forget this, one of the most profound things my kids ever taught me is one of my twins, my daughter said to me, she said, and she went off to, uh, to uh, somewhere, um, she, was, she does uh, entertainment, she's a uh, theater major and she was on a cruise ship somewhere and she wrote to me, she said, Dad, you know what's interesting? She said, I miss school. I miss school because she said, when I got up in the morning, there was a plan. I knew what was going to happen. I knew where I was supposed to go, what I was supposed to do, what was expected of me. I knew... Um, when I got a test, I had to make certain grades, she said, but once you graduate and you get out there, she said, there is no map. There is no structure. If you're not disciplined, you find yourself drifting and wandering and years are passing. And I, I, I suspect that because you, you probably didn't think of that on that wise, you didn't think about the fact that there is no plan. You have to make it God has, Pastor Miller said something that's amazing, he was quoting someone, but um, God has a plan for your life, but he's not going to plan your life for you. Amen. So you got to make plans, you got to plan in faith. And he says, well, suppose I'm wrong. God, here's a rule, in transition, God orders your steps and he names your stops. On the screen real quickly, Numbers chapter 33, verses 1 and 2, just want to do this real fast and move on to, I want to cover this first Um Uh, issue again that we dealt with on the Sunday about enemies of transition. In transition, one of the biggest things that's going to happen to you is that anything that is alive in you will become noticeable. If you are insecure, if you are competitive, if you're jealous, if you're envious, if you're angry, whatever is in you in transition, it, it, it comes to the forefront. The enemy will try to use your deficits against you in transition. You got it? Well, I'm going to tell you one of the hardest things for me as a pastor, and, and, and I'm, not going, I'm, I'm not pulling the punches about this. You know, sometimes, can, can I just, I'm going to just share this. Sometimes I'm just tempted to let you guys do what you want to do. Not even pastor you. Just get up here and just teach the word. Let you do, live how you don't. Now I was scrolling through my, the Facebook page the other day, and I saw one of the saints posted something crazy. And the pastor in me wanted to snatch him. I wanted to go in the inbox and say, take that down now. And I said, you know what? Nope. Nah, here's what I said. It's not worth the fight. We live in a time where people hate authority. They hate voices that check them. What gets me is I'm in my 50s and I will submit to a prophet in his 30s if he speaks for God. So I saw it, I just let it go. And I'm t- I caught myself, I'm tempted to just, because it's, you, don't, you have no idea what it costs a leader to tell you the truth. And the, the part that angers us, or it really breaks our heart, is that you come to us with baggage. The only reason we have a job, our job is, is we're problem solvers. The gift that we have is to solve your problem. That's what Ephesians 4 says. My job is to equip you. To perfect the saints, the word perfect means to equip you to, for the work of the ministry. That's my job. But it's crazy how you guys think. And, 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 and you're so cliquish. I correct one, they get offended, and the rest of you gather around them and sneak, and y'all be having these weird conversations, and you come and sit up in the church looking at me. You know, I'm going to tell you something. No, 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 no. First of all, can I tell you this? I'm, I'm going back to my lesson. Let me help you out for a minute. Let me tell you something. First of all, where I come from, I was raised in the street. We didn't do that. But now we in church. We are in the Lord. The Lord has a system. He has an order for things. Why have a shepherd if the sheep gonna lead? Seems to me I should just sit down and let you teach. You know what you're doing. What about that? What about? No, I'm saying it, 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 we get to the place we get where you don't even understand what's at stake because you think things will always be like this. But you see, you're here for a moment, and God has a start time and an end time. And once it's time for you to move the things that you were supposed to get while you were here, if you didn't get them, God help you. Because let me tell you something about this transition thing. It will snatch your very heart from your chest. When the season is done, it's done. You better be ready for the next thing. Trying to help you to see that God is God is is moving you forward, and what His 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 whole heart for you is is growth. He's trying to get you to a certain measure, to a certain stature. So when so when you get ready to face certain things, you're ready. Everybody said the word ready, ready. Ready. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about having to hold a loved one and rock them while they expire. I'm talking about your kids coming home with news that breaks your heart in a million pieces. You got it? I'm talking about the pink slip coming when you thought you were doing a good job. You, you can't be the kind of person that can't be corrected, can't be instructed, can't be enlightened, can't, can't be checked. Someone has to be able to poke you and say, yo, that's not the way it's supposed to go. Sometimes it's, 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 a, it's a burden to deal with people that don't want to. Where are the people who want to? Anybody here want to? Where are my goals at? Because I'm going to tell you something. You know, even now in, in, in ministry, um, Pastor James, you know, we, we, this, we've been doing this for a minute. But naturally, this is, you know, when, 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 it's funny. I saw a picture of myself. Um, I, was, I was standing uh, uh, in Sanctuary 1 in my office. I had one, one of my first tailor-made three-piece <laughs> I was thin as a rail, just, you know. And the only thing that was the same was a smile. And I looked like a kid. But in the picture, I was 43 years old. We've been doing this a long time. Remember when you got the call? When I called you and said, Pastor James, I, 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 matter of fact, I said, Pastor, I said, oh, Brother Thornton, you, the Lord says you're my sister, Pastor. You were, for 52 and 53, and God transitioned you. He was 53 years old. We've been doing this a long time. December the 6th will be 22 years I've been passing this church. Let me, let me tell you something, and it's not all been easy, but, but, but what I've learned about it is this, is that God sets us for time and for purpose, and when it's done, the problem with a lot of us in this building right now is not that God doesn't have your future ready for you. The problem is, you're still holding on to your past. Real quickly, these are the journeys of the children of Israel which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron, verse 2. And Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord. And these are their journeys according to their what? Their goings out. So it's a, a lot of this is you going out of one thing into the next. I'm going to move now, and I want to I jump headlong into this issue of of enemies of transition. When, when you are about to transition, um, and transition, as we said, is not always about leaving. Sometimes it's about staying but stepping up. Sometimes other people, up, other people leave and you got to step up, and you got to be ready for this. That was the case with Joshua. Um, three things we said. We said that you I have to, during transition, I, I got to surrender to the Lord. I gotta surrender. I gotta be. I gotta tell God. Listen, I'm willing to go if you want me to, and I'm willing to stay if you want me to. It's not about me. It's about your kingdom. What is best for your kingdom? Number two, I got to seek the wisdom of God because I, I, there's no way I could figure this by myself. So I, I, I want to speak to the person just quickly who stopped praying because it seemed like your prayers don't get answered. If your prayers are not getting answered, don't stop praying. Ask God why. You got it? But I got to seek the wisdom of God. God, which way is the best way? What's my best option? Show me what's what's wrong with this and what's right with that. And the third thing, I got to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I got to take for granted that God is going to drop some words in my heart. He's going to drop some direction. He's going to speak to me through dreams and prophetic utterances and other giftings that may be available to me in, in the body or just in my own life. I got to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. The first enemy of transition we talked about on Sunday is insecurity if you are transitioning it means that you are you're going to be insecure or you're going to be attacked with insecurity let me tell you what that means to be insecure is to be unsure of yourself it, it's it's having a lack of confidence about who you are and where you fit in now the problem with this kind of uncertainty is that it causes you it may cause you to panic and sometimes you you mishandle your situation If you're insecure, then then every instruction you hear may sound like a criticism. Um, God may say to you, I need you to move. Or I want you to stay put when others are moving. Or he may say to you, I want to make some changes in your circle. Everybody say my circle. Okay, now the problem with that is, um, when that begins to happen... The enemy will come to you, and in insecurity, what he's attacking is the way you see yourself. Insecurity is not about fear deals with my surroundings. Fear deals with my future. Insecurity deals with me. And if I didn't build some kind of esteem, the proper type of esteem, put Romans chapter 12, verse 3 on the screen for me. If I didn't build some type of esteem in my life um, um measure myself properly, then I will tend to not know who I am when I'm going through the challenge. Here's what Paul says. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. He says, don't think you are better than you really are. Self-esteem is not... not When we talk about you uh, you need to raise your self-esteem, not really. No, he says. What you needs to happen is you need to have a balanced self view. He says, don't think of you as, oh, that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Let's talk about that. Be honest. Let's not let nobody else evaluate you. Let's evaluate evaluate ourselves. Talk to me about you. You don't have to answer this. It's rhetorical. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you? it amazing. We all talk about how bad people are. The reason we're so judgmental is because we see everyone as evil but ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. We ready to condemn and put people everywhere but heaven because we, we but what about you? Wisdom takes on a different meaning when the evaluation is about you. You become wiser when you go to God, not about them, but about you. You got it? Now, he says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Now, give me King James, because it's amazing how that confused me with the King James is plainer. It says, it says this. It says, for I say to the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man what? The measure of faith. So Paul said, I got, I, got us, I want you to see yourself the way you are. It, it's not a, you said, Pastor, but I'm messed up. That's good. Because if you, if you see yourself as messed up, then it speaks to you and tells you that you need God more than other people. Is anybody in the room can say, I need Jesus? I, you, y'all don't know. I need Jesus. See, y'all could get by without him because y'all don't misbehave. But I will cut a monkey. I will cut a fool. You hear me? No, no, I'm telling you, my flesh, I will cut a fool. I need, everybody, I need, I don't know about you. Anybody need Jesus?
0: Okay, watch this now. So, so I need Jesus. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy prayer-based relationship with God he's doing that through his brand new book titled seeking answers for It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Pick up the new release from stellar award nominees, Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So... Pick up the chart topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now, let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey.
1: Now, now, I'm going back to this because we looked at this on Sunday and it kind of blessed me. Go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. This is the story of the children of Israel They've come from Egypt. They're standing on what we call the precipice or the border of. Of Canaan, the promised land. Their promise is just right there. You step across this line, you're in your promise. But the problem was, before they went into this land that's flowing with milk and honey, they asked God, Lord, um, um, can you allow us to send spies into the land? And so, as Moses is writing the book of Deuteronomy, which is by, by the way, the, the word Deuteronomy means the second promise or the reaffirming of the first promise. That's what the word Deuteronomy means. And it's interesting, the, the, um, the book of Deuteronomy is the only book in the old covenant that's made up of all, all sermons. This is Moses preaching. He's restating the covenant to the children of Israel before he dies. That's what Deuteronomy is. And in this book, he's, he's, he's speaking to, he speaks to them. He tells them, listen, um, we didn't do it right. My, my generation didn't do it right, but your generation needs to get it right. Here, they, they come out of... Of, of, of Egypt into this place called Kadesh, they're looking at the promise, and they, they, they send spies in um, because they weren't sure. They weren't sure of what was there, although God had told them. And the Bible says that when the spies come back, 10 of the spies give a report, and they say, listen, man, it's not like the Lord said. Matter of fact, go back a couple of verses up, maybe to verse 31. Let's see what's there. It says, but the other men who, who explored the, the land with him disagreed. What what, what did this disagree with? Go back to maybe twenty-nine, thirty? What's in twenty-nine? That's a lot. Go to thirty. Okay. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land he said, for we can certainly conquer it. We can certainly conquer. That was Caleb's testimony. Look at the next verse. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. They said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we. So now here's the transitional problem. The transitional problem is that God is sending me somewhere. And when I come to the place, where the door of the place God is sending me, um, there's, there's a war going on on the inside of me. On the one hand... The, 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 the main consensus is, I can't do this. It's too much for me. Maybe God meant somebody else. I, and, and it always has to do with the fact that you did not settle where you came from. Amen. You didn't settle where you came from. This, normally, when you're having a conversation that I can't do this, I don't know how it's going to work, it has nothing to do with resources, has nothing to do with help, has nothing to do with anything else, but the fact that you don't believe in you. And you were able to hide your insecurity while you were in position somewhere, while you had a title, while you had an office, while people had, maybe you were in the military, and people by rank structure, they had to honor you. But now you're out, and now uh, the playing field is even. Your insecurity comes to the forefront. The worst thing you can do is continue to lie about it. This is important. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. Look at verse 32. So they spread this bad report through the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Now, I did happy help you out. When a person is really insecure, they don't just say, I can't do it. They say, No one can. That's right. That's good. It's not doable. Nobody could do it. It's just, I remember when I used to, when I used to be a um, minister of music. I had this one singer in the choir who um, will sing, and she come in. She's a diva. She's a serious diva. She'll come in to sing. And um, she, she could sing through rafters. I mean, she moved the church every time she sang. If I wanted someone to just to come and I'd start playing, we we'll go in just from her singing. When they, song, when they see her get out the choir stand to sing, the church will stand up because they know we're about to go in. But she had a thing she used to do. And sometimes we'll bring the song and the song will be high. I like to play songs in the key that they were in. And so we present the song. She goes, um, that's too high. I'm like, that's the way the song is. And she said, well, it's too high for my voice. And I would say, well, let somebody else sing it. And her thing was, if I can't sing it, (laughs) can't nobody sing it, until Jesus decided to deal with her. A little girl comes into the choir. Let me try. Everybody look at her like, girls, are down somewhere. And I said, come. So she comes over, gives her the mic. She starts out a little timid but as the song goes along, the band kicks in, she starts working with the song, her confidence starts building, she ripped the song to shreds. Miss Diva now, just learn a lesson. Because you can't do it, doesn't mean. This said, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. And when uh, it says we even saw giants there, the descendants, of, the descendants of Anak, next to them. Now this is what the part I want. I want to touch again. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. The, I could not get this. I ended up with this on Sunday. Could not get it out of my mind. Went to sleep with it. Next to them, felt like grasshoppers. What they thought. Those three things is what I want to revisit again. I want want to revisit them again tonight. Next to them. Write the word again, comparisons. Making comparisons. One of the worst things that we can do when God is, is working with us to fulfill purpose for our lives is to compare ourselves with others who may be starting out as well or who may be further down the road. Next to anyone you're going to have a problem. If you put yourself next to anyone, here's the problem. If you put yourself, if you, if you compare who you are and what you have to someone who has less, you're going to, you're going to become proud. The problem with, with, with comparisons is if I'm better than the, the other person, then I feel like I'm more than I am. But the problem with, with this also is, if, I'm, if I put myself next to a person that's better than me, then I feel like I'm less than I am. There's no way for you to properly measure who you are next to anybody. It's just, there's just no way. So what you have to do, what you, what you must do, is find within yourself to just be clear on what god wants from you so it's a, it's a great question someone someone wrote me um, there's a thing on instagram you tell them ask me a question and um um i had some people ask me a bunch of questions just a couple weeks ago and someone asked me a question about starting out pastor how did you know what god wanted you to do i'm gonna tell you a quick story i remember i was i was working at a church and we were in a, a revival meeting and the person that was leading the revival picked me out of the crowd and says to me what do you want from the lord and everyone shouted. shouting, they were excited. What do, you, what do you want God to do? And my answer was deep. I don't, it's not what I want God to do. I said, I want everything that God has for me. And she looked at me and she said, "Amen." Hey man, she tapped me on the show, went to someone and she was looking for excitement. But the fact that it didn't, didn't move her didn't bother me. It moved me. I wanted, and I spent the rest of that revival praying, what do you have for me to do? Why was I born? Why am I here? I started going back and looking at things from the military. I tried three times to go other places but Alabama, and three times the army put me here. My first orders when I was trying to come back from Germany was to Fort Rucker. I'd never heard of Fort Rucker. When I asked people, they said, don't you go there. So I told them when I re-enlisted, I said, I, I want to re-enlist for anywhere but Fort Rucker, Alabama. You know what came back to? Fort McClellan, Alabama. I moved from Fort McClellan after three years, and I went up to Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville. And through some crazy and bizarre act, you know what I ended up? Fort Roque, Alabama. Because from the beginning, that's what... So my question now to God was, why am I here? Why did you send me here? I'm going to tell you this that you have to learn. God's plans for you are never about you. If it seems bigger than you, then you're in the right you're on the right path because God will never give you anything to do where you could just do it without him. There will always be an element of impossibility involved in what God called you to do. There will always be an intimidation factor. You're going to look at it and say, oh my God, I can't do this. And when you start thinking like that, God says, yes, this is the right person because you have to lean on him. Because the reality is that all he needs you to be is a vessel. He wants to, he's looking for someone to work through. Insecurity. Um, so the first thing is, next to them they said, and then they move on, it says, we felt like grasshoppers. Write right the words feelings. Emotions are sensors that God built into your soul to measure your environment based on the way you think. Emotions are sensors that God put into your soul to measure your environment based on the way you think. So get this, the way you feel about a situation or about a person has very little to do with what's actually there and more to do with how you think. Sad people think sad things. Mean people think mean things. The way the reason people are the way they are is because of the way they think. When a person wakes up in a bad mood, they don't wake up feeling a certain way. They they wake up thinking a certain way concerning how their body feels. And it just gets worse. He says, now watch this, now next to them, next to them, we compare ourselves to them. And then based on the comparison and our thinking, we felt small. And I'm going to tell you something right now. What the enemy does, the enemy will, will, will keep stuff stirring because he needs you to feel smaller than you are. He needs you to feel like God could have picked somebody better than you. He, he wants you to miss the opportunity. I'm going to tell you, if you ever, ever experienced this? And then once the opportunity passes, he will tell you how stupid you were for letting the opportunity pass. Ever happened to you? That's how the, the enemy plays the game. Everything, you cannot live your life on feelings. Feelings lie. Amen. They lie. Matter of fact, I'm going to add this to the pot. Physiologically, when you, your body is off, if you're not drinking enough water, not getting enough sleep, if, if you're not, if you if you you may be overweight, you may be, whatever is going on with you, something can be off physically in your body. And that, and the way you think about that, that your attitude to is that, can, can generate feelings that are not real. You understand that? I never in my life have ever succeeded at anything measuring by feelings. 9 times out of 10 when God gave me the victory, I felt like I was going to lose. But what I learned to do was to manage my feelings with my faith. I understood, watch this now, I understood that if I'm feeling bad about it, then my thinking is off. If my thinking is off, i got to get to the word. And even if the the word does not automatically adjust my my, uh, feelings, it is gradually adjusting my thinking. And if my thinking gets right, that means I could pray right, and I could pray through. The Bible says Jesus began to be very sorrowful when he thought about what he had to go through. But he went anyway in Gethsemane, and he prayed his way through feeling bad.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Art Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC Family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join Join us next time as we continue to dive into God's word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.